Hey, welcome back to the Bloodthirsty Pugs podcast. This is episode eight. Today, Vince is back. So he'll be joining myself and my brother, Aaron Scott, today as we talk about a few weird subjects. We're going to talk about a little bit of artificial intelligence, you know, like Terminator. Uh, we'll talk about a s- social credit score that they have in China and, uh, you know, see how that affects things. So uh, here we go. So here we have myself, Dustin, and Vince is back this week, and now we have a new Aaron visiting us. So this is my brother, Aaron Scott, and Aaron Collins will not be joining us because he's hanging out with his family. The cooler one's finally here, boys. Boom. All right, what do you guys want to talk about? Mm. How was your week? Vince, you want to go? You want me to go? Um, I don't know. I literally... Did not prepare for this in the slightest. So right, well, I'll go no there. Problem. I'll tell you how my week went. Not terrible, but uh, a whole lot of getting shit on right and left by just everybody around me. We're, <laughs> we're figuring that out slowly but surely. But turns out being down staff by 50% makes your days a little busy. That'll do it. Is that because of COVID? It's a little bit because of COVID. A lot of it's also just because, uh, well, I wouldn't say staff needed to retire because most of them wanted to stick around, but most of them got sick and tired of the bullshit because – I don't know. We've lost half our employees in the short period of time, and we just haven't tried to replace them for whatever reason. So now it's just like, ah, it's been functioning, so why change it? So what do you do for a job? Because nobody listening probably knows. Uh, I'm the assistant city engineer for a small small municipality outside of Columbus. So uh, municipal engineering is a whole lot of talking to residents about stuff that is very, very simple, but they don't know anything about, which is common, and uh, project management, really. So. It's been kind of fun. I felt powerful today because uh, I had somebody submit to me basically a change order for a project saying, you owe me another 20 grand. And I was just like, yeah, no, no, we don't. No, we're not giving you any money at all. So it's kind of cool to be able to swing that money around like it's mine. It's <laughs> definitely not mine, though. You get to argue with the big numbers. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of nice. But uh, other than that, the week went all right. You know, Vince, what was that thing you sent me today? The Was it code that writes code? Is that what you said? Um. Yeah, so I wrote code in one language in order to write code in another programming language. Um, So that, how do I explain it so that I don't take forever? Um, (laughs) Basically, sometimes you have to write code where you have to repeat a lot of functions. Like I was working with a a program that had a GUI that had like 65 checkboxes in it. And different things can happen depending on which checkbox you select. Mm-hmm. So rather than writing code that says, well, if you select checkbox number one, this happens. If you select checkbox number two, this happens. I use a different programming language to write the code that says, all right, you're going to cycle from one through 65. Here's your parameters. Go. And then instead of writing like hundreds of lines of code, I just write like eight lines of code. And then it goes in and it writes the code for me for those 65 <laughs> Checkboxes. That's awesome. Get the computer to work for you. <laughs> Boring, nerdy stuff. <laughs> that shit is so far over my head, it's not even funny. It was cool, though. Vince sent me like a, like a, a short little video clip of it, and it was just like running lines and running lines, just really fast. All right. So, I mean, like I've got guns stockpiled for the apocalypse, but if I need somebody for the Terminator machines, Vince is who I go to then. There you go. Yes. The guy in the computer chair. Yeah. I will reprogram those Arnies and... Get him sent back to protect John Connor. <laughs> Shit. So I heard about, um, I, I got to see if I can remember this correctly, Vince, but I mentioned this in the text. So I heard about this on the podcast, and I don't know the actual name of it, but it's basically, it's an AI that has been created where you can say, um, hey, blah, 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 whatever the AI is, and say, make me an app that... Um, when you push this button, it does this, and you can enter in your username information, and it'll save it to this thing. And you say it all with your mouth like you're talking to Alexa, and it will convert your English language and write it in code and create the app for you. And it does it in, like, seconds. Yeah, so there's, like, multi-different levels to AI. Um, There's basically, like, three different levels. Um, So level one is, like... A really dumb AI like Siri, for example. Yeah. Because you can ask, like, if you ask Siri a question, 
Um, all she does, she's listening to your speech. She has an algorithm to convert your speech into text. And then she basically plugs that te text into a search engine and then reads you out the most popular result that comes back of your question. So that's like a level one kind of dumbed down AI. Level two is more like what you're talking about. It has to do with machine learning mm -hmm. algorithms. So um, a good example of this is they taught a machine how to play chess. And now they didn't actually teach the machine how to play chess. They just basically taught it the rules of chess. Mm -hmm. And at first it was just making moves at random. Like they just taught it the rules. Like here's, here's your pieces. Here's where you can move your pieces. And the way machine learning works is you don't teach it strategy or teach it how to play well. It just makes random guesses over and over and over again. Yeah. And, and then it sees out of all those guesses it made, which scenarios ended up being successful and which turned out in failure. So they took this chess playing robot and they simulated millions of millions upon millions of games in which it was making random guesses. And every time it lost, it learned and made note of which scenarios made it lose. And every time it won, it learned and made note of which scenarios and moves were responsible for it winning. And after millions of simulations of this, um, the thing was so good at chess that it could beat any human chess player on the planet, including the top world champions. I've heard so, about that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So that's that's the kind of AI that you're talking about as far as like having an AI that will write an app for you. It's just, Basically, what it'll do is it'll know the language that you want to use, but it'll start out by just, you know... Typing in just random stuff or putting in random commands. Right. And like the first time it'll be like, well, that's not what you wanted. And then, but it can, modern computers can cycle through these cycles, these attempts so quickly that if you left your computer running all day, you'd already be past a million cycles by the end of a 24 hour period. Yeah. So by the, by the end of the day, it'll know, it'll be like, oh yeah, now this app does what you told me it wants, you want it to do. And then it's done. So. When, I, when I heard about it, I thought, like, it almost was like, man, well, why am I going to learn programming then? Like, if there's an AI that can speak the language for me and all I got to do is just tell it what to do, then it kind of almost, you know, I'm a step behind. <laughs> now, level three AI, three AI is the level that, you know, very famous people like Albert Einstein, Stephen Hawking, and Elon Musk have all warned against yeah. as it being a very dangerous thing. Cyberdyne. And that's... Yeah, that's where the AI becomes basically self-aware. Um, it it's it supersedes the human brain, so it's capable of learning much faster than the human brain. Um, it's capable of figuring out problems, equations, solutions to things much faster than the human brain. And what some people are worried about is that this AI might decide that humans need to go because we're... You know, we're killing each other, we're yeah. damaging the planet, the, whatever, the what plot, have you. The plot to all the Terminator movies. They're like, yeah. so you're pro we're programmed so it, to, prote to protect you, and we've determined that you are the danger to yourself, so we will eliminate you. <laughs> Boom. So an AI like that, rather than launching all the nukes in the world, it could simply develop um, these nanorobots that just go out into the world, and they act like little viruses, and they stay dormant. Rona. And we, we spread them around... Because they stay dormant and they're not doing anything. Mm -hmm. So every time, you know, every time you go out and talk to somebody, it's spreading like Rona, but except for there's no symptoms whatsoever. So nobody's going to the doctor, nobody's going to the hospital until the machines calculated that the, the nanorobots have had enough time to spread everywhere throughout the world. Or they could even have like an uplink since they're robots that communicate with each other and say, all right, there's 7.3 billion people in the world. Well, we've infected, you know, 7.28 billion of them. That should be enough. And then yep. they hit the go button. And on then all of a sudden the nano re releases this biotoxin that kills you within seconds. And then everybody in the world just drops dead within the matter of a few seconds. <laughs> and all right, um, so that's, so, uh, that's something that a level three AI could actually do. So here's a question for both of you. What do you think the percentage chance of that happening is? If you had to put a number on it, what do you think it is? Um, I read a lot about this stuff because I'm a big science technology nerd. The idea of us being able to create an AI at that level is still a ways off. And there's some widely varying 
guesstimates as to when we'd actually be able to develop an AI that's capable of learning at a faster rate than our in a better capacity than what our own brains can do. Mm-hmm. A lot of it has to do with whether quantum computing, where quantum computing goes, because um, that's going to be the next step in computing is quantum computing. So some people could say it could be within the next 15 years. Some people say it's going to take another 100 years. But it is something we will get to. Um, now, whether that AI is going to want to kill us or not is, you know, that's up to a lot of variables. Um Maybe we could program it not to kill us. Maybe there's, you know, the, you hear about the, the laws of robotics. Like mm-hmm. maybe maybe we could hard, hardwire something in there that says you can get as smart as you want. You can do whatever you want, but you have to be nice to people. Like, and maybe it'll listen to that. So, I don't know. So what's your number? What's your percentage? Percentage chance that the robots are going to become self-aware and wipe out humanity. This could be the end of the world. Um, I mean, assuming that we... M- make it that far to develop that technology before we kill ourselves with nuclear war or disease. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say. I I, want to say that it would want to kill us because we suck. A lot of us. (laughs) Yep. Um, But at the same time, it's an assumption to say that a machine would reason the same way a human would, or that a machine would have, greed or a desire for destruction mm-hmm. or so i don't know i'm i'm 50 50 on it he's 50 50 that robots are going to kill us all here before too long but see <laughs> my take on it would be more or less that the fact that we're aware of it uh, it means good things to me at least you know i would i would hope that we were making conscious efforts to prevent that it sounds like we are my bigger concern would be the fact that we're aware of it i mean we've, we've just identified what is in reality probably a very very dangerous weapon so, same reason why, you know, nuclear weapons in the hands of perfectly fine people, well, they're not great, but they're not a huge deal. Uh, it's an issue when they get in the hands of people who are not good people. Bad so, guys. I would be more concerned about not accidentally misprogramming something and having it turn on you. I'd be more concerned about somebody intentionally programming something incorrectly, <laughs> well, not incorrectly, uh, with ill intentions and that wiping us all out. Because, again, like, we're aware of it. Hopefully, we actually make effort to stop it, but, you know. I'm going to say there's a 20% chance that the end of the world is caused by AI turning and killing all of us. 20% chance. I like 20% odds. <laughs> yeah. That's still pretty high. But <laughs> that's what I wa- all, that's all I wanted from you guys is give me a number because you That's not, you know, can make fun of you if you say the wrong number. <laughs> but to go off of what what Aaron said there, um you know, once we have the computing capability to develop this kind of AI, you know, if that kind of computing capability falls into the wrong hands, they could purposely program something with the sole purpose of causing harm. And it could even be selective in harm. So if they wanted to make it like racial, a racial-based kind of thing, you know, the AI could target people based on their race or based on their gender or, you know, things like that. So, um, I so AI is, AI is going to bring a whole host of issues with it, when it, you know, every step of the way. I'm mm-hmm. sure by that time, racism will be gone. Couldn't keep a straight one. face in that one. <laughs> I did an admirable job, I won't lie. <laughs> so take, take AI like self-driving cars, for example. Like that's not the same le- level three AI that's going to become super sentient, you know. But it's sophisticated enough to where it has to make decisions. And, for example, let's say, you know, you get into a situation while it's driving, classic scene, ball bunts is out in the middle of the road, and, like, a couple little kids run out in the road in front of your car to catch their ball. Now, the car, in this ethical scenario, has two decisions. One decision that would best protect you, the driver, and an, it could make a different decision that would have a higher probability of protecting the children in the road. But it has to make one or the other. So it has to sacrifice you or sacrifice the children. Um, so what do we program self-driving technology to do in situations like that? Because these are serious ethical dilemmas. Obviously, you're not going to want to drive a self-driving car if it's not always looking out for your best interest. Like, if you're going to pay you know, $50,000 for a self-driving car, you better, you know, as a purchaser, I would be like, well, I better make damn sure it's going to be looking out for me all the time. 
me, but what if it's between your life and three other people's lives or five other people's lives? What do we do? You know? I'd say keep the kids outside of the road <laughs> and protect me if I'm buying a car that's fucking supposed to drive itself, you know? <laughs> that's what I would say, too. I mean, I'm all for kids and stuff, but... Our, our internet just slowed way down, so Vince is, like, frozen. <laughs> he looks good in the pose, though, at least. I mean, he that's does. Fair. He does. That's very fair. Well, the interesting question that, that I was thinking of when Vince was saying that, too, is, so then are we... How do you program in there? Is one life worth more than another? You know, like your your car, you're driving the car, so its job is to protect you, probably. But also, I mean, is there like a chivalry part of it that's like save the kids, women and children first? Mm, no, I, I definitely think there should not be a chivalry portion. <laughs> I mean, and and it sounds like I don't know if you want to call it unethical or immoral or whatever, but like realistically, especially if you're going to try to get the buy-in of the public on something like self-driving cars, you're not going to get it. If you, uh, if it's telling you, well, hey, you know, you better hope that you don't come across an instance where, yes, you would save yourself, but guess what? We're not going to. Like, I'm yeah. not buying that car. No, thanks. <laughs> I already like driving anyway. And we already have too many dumb rednecks who don't want to go out and buy a self-driving car and want to just, you know, right. roll coal on people for no reason. <laughs> I can see this. So, sorry, my, my, my Zoom lock, locked up there for a minute, and uh, so I had to go out and go back in. That's all right. We so um, did- You froze kind of in the middle of it, but we were just talking about... You know, what What you were talking about almost seemed like it introduced the idea of, like, could one life be worth more than another? Like, if you're riding in a car and its job is to keep you safe, but then, I mean, your safety is more important than a child, a five-year-old chasing a ball. Like, you know, there's, there's like, a moral area there that would be interesting to try to tackle. <laughs> yeah, and the people programming these cars would have to technically teach it what to do in those kinds of scenarios. I feel like the best solution there is to, you know, program it multiple ways and allow, uh, wow, that lightning was wicked. Program it multiple ways, but then allow you to choose which, uh, you know, how generous are you going to be to the pedestrians on the roadway? Uh, yeah, I mean, it can be like touchless settings right now, you know, like normal and then like whatever the, the super crazy setting is that they have in their Tesla cars. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with ethics. You, just, you know, I'm a normal person. I'm a little rude person. I'm just a real dickhead. And then it just kind of escalates there. It's like, you know, if you see a, something in the road like a dog, you're a normal person. Sorry, the dog's going to die. But if, you know, if it was a kid and you're a normal person, well, you'll probably dodge it. But if you're a dickhead and you choose that setting, well, not <laughs> my kids. So you should you believe that the self-driving car should have like an ethics menu where depending on how much of a dick you are, you can choose whether it... I, I like protects that. you implicitly or you know <laughs> yeah, or whether like it kills that. like a whole bunch of kids and yeah. stuff okay i, I yeah. think like you know th- we're never gonna get the entirety of mankind well, i mean at least america on board with self-driving vehicles if you know all it takes is one person to jump on the fact that like it will kill you right like it doesn't matter why it's gonna kill you because that's not what they're gonna publicize so unless you give it a way out by you know an override right like always protect me or you know what yeah. like i'm 80 years old go ahead and protect every single thing that's gonna run on the road i don't care unless you give it that override you're never gonna get buy-in from the public i don't feel like and that's another thing the transition period is gonna be rough because once we're at a place where every single person drives a self-driving car then auto fatalities will will just go way down i mean like the robots are capable of, like, the vision systems are already capable of seeing threats, processing those threats, and reacting to them way better than we are, than our brains are. We can already do that. So once everybody's on the system, on the grid, then, you know, traveling in a car will be super safe. But it's not going to be just, like, an overnight transition, not at all. Some people are going to be holdouts, you know. So we're going to have this weird period where there's, like, Half of the people are in self-driving cars and half of the people are still driving their own car. Right. And the people that drive their own cars, they're going to be the ones th- throwing the unexpected scenarios at the self-driving cars because they're going to be the ones behind the wheel drunk and they're going to be the ones behind the wheel sleep deprived and they're going to swerve in front of your self-driving car and test the crap out of your self-driving car's ability to save you. Right. So I-, I could see that self-regulating itself out and- I mean, what I mean by that is really, you know, if we get a big enough push for self-driving vehicles and we see such a clear identification of how safe that is, insurance companies are going to just stop insuring your vehicle. 
or just charge you out of the ass to insure for your 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 you know car that you're driving yourself because if you know they're going to have the vast majority or a large portion of people who they can insure with very very little risk right and the more they start dropping insurance ability for cars that you drive yourself or just up those rates because it's going to turn into something that basically like only the rich can afford to drive an actual car themselves I mean, based just on regulation mm-hmm. you like yeah and maybe that's the way to thing that's in that direction another thing that scares me about new like just new technology in general like the way our world is moving it's just everything is super technological is that anything can be hacked anything yeah and if if there's something to hack then there's people out there actively trying to hack it so one good example is that now it used to be pacemakers they used to have to do the surgery they put the pacemaker in you and they do some adjustments so that it would pace make correctly to keep you alive. And then as you aged and the pacemaker aged, and if you needed adjustment to your pacemaker, they would actually have to do another surgery. They'd have to open you back up, turn a few screws in there um, to make the adjustment so that it's working right again or adjusted for your aging or whatever. Nowadays, they install pacemakers that can be communicated with via Bluetooth so they can make adjustments without doing any surgery. But there have been instances of people hacking these pacemakers and killing people on purpose. Holy moly. Hacker murderers. Yeah. Hacker murderers is one thing. And, uh, you know, just to plug in a little tidbit that just popped in my head here. You said controlled via Bluetooth. And the first thing that popped into my mind is like those, like, vibrators that you can control with your phone yeah (laughs) i'm like you think if you walked into a restaurant with the ability to just like know if somebody had one of those or not and you just hacked that bitch (laughs) that would be funny that would be an interesting dining room we we just went from heart heart attacks and killing people and murdering them to a whole other ball game there but (laughs) they kind of equate in my mind as far as hacking goes and bluetooth and and personal bodily functions i guess okay so here's a here's a crazy thought to throw your guys's way so i'm gonna take this back aaron aaron with his idea of um, depending on how much of a dick you are, depends on how mu- if the car saves your life or not. So, have you guys heard of the social credit system that they have in China? No. Yes, I think it's um, it's kind of terrifying. Yeah. So, okay. So here's what this is. It's kind of you know we all have a credit score. We know what that is. It's how banks they determine if they can if we're safe to lend money to. Like you're yes, we trust you. We can loan you this money because you have a high credit score. Well, social credit is kind of like that, but the government. So like the Chinese government. I believe they have this in place. I was, I was just reading an article about it, so I believe they're actually doing this now. But they, they start you off with 1,000 points. Each person has 1,000 points wherever, every citizen. And then you get demerits or you, get, you lose points or you gain points based on your choices that you make. So a traffic violation, lose five points. Uh, donate to charity, gain five points. Uh, pay your bills on t- time, gain two points, whatever. So it's all neg- like negatives and positives. But then, based on your social credit score, determines maybe what you pay for gas or if you're allowed to use the public transportation or what type of house you're allowed to live in. It's all based on what they determine if you're a good person or not, based on your social credit score. So it's giving this like government like total control. I mean, it's straight out of like Black Mirror or something like that. But it's all based on them looking at your actions. Right. So that's like, yeah, that's terrifying, and that's a terrible idea. But conceptually, I love that idea. And I would almost like, it's a slippery slope, so we couldn't do it, but that's almost something I'd love to apply to just like a felon, you know. You just got out of jail. Guess what? Probation? Nah. Social credits, dude. You better Mm -hmm. start doing some good shit. You want, speaking of good shit, you, you rung my bell here with that comment. This morning... My wife left the house. She goes out to her mom's house to help do chores and shit and, and help with her grandma, who's like 101 years old. And she came back early. I was confused as shit. And uh, she was pretty depressed looking. I was like, uh, what's wrong? Apparently, my wife, driving through town, drove past a homeless lady in Marysville. And my wife it, it feels bad for the homeless, wants to give them stuff all the time. And uh, so Katie changed her plans. My wife changed her plans, went to Kroger instead, <clears throat> and put together a, you know, a, a necessities kit. For this homeless lady, mm-hmm. you know, like deodorant, you know, uh, toothbrush, toothpaste, everything you ever might want to need. Uh, and she drove back across town, got out of the car and sat down on the bench next to the lady. And the lady, she goes, what do you want? 
well, I just figured I'd, I'd, you know, I stopped by the store to get you some stuff and I'd talk, sit down and see if you want to talk or anything. But I, I got you stuff. And she's like, yeah, no thanks. <laughs> and I was just like, so, so Katie comes home and she's pretty sad about this because she's, I don't know, that kind of stuff would hit her pretty hard. I yeah. would, I'd just get pissed and take returning my money back. But she left stuff on the bench next to her and told her, you know, if you don't want it, you, you take it to a donation or whatever, but you, you look, you need it. And uh, she drove back through town later in the day and the lady was gone. Stuff's still in there on the bench. But, blew my mind from the perspective of like social credit thing that you're talking Mm -hmm. about like she just got a lot of social credits but i don't know if they went all the way through or if they got you know a bounce check or something (laughs) because because she kind of got denied there how did she know that the lady was homeless did she was she holding like a sign or something she was like carrying a suitcase and like laying down (laughs) on the bench and and there's no bus stops in marysville so i mean it wasn't as if she yeah playing on the bus just how funny would it be if she was just some normal woman yeah who just were wearing some like kind of crappy clothes and so katie assumed that that she was homeless and that's the best part because here in about a week it'll be funny to joke with about her so that's what I'm going to ask her. Yeah. Like, you, you know, I, I see her around town all the time. She's <laughs> she just, works on the square. <laughs> she works over there. I mean, yeah. So uh, that happened. And so, you know, if we ever implement that system, I'll at least keep that in my back pocket and maybe we'll get some extra credits on the side. But I think- That's interesting. First of, first of all, kudos to your wife because to go out of her way to do all that, I mean, that's... She's much better than definitely, I am. I would never do that. Yeah, I mean, she shows, she shows a lot more selflessness than I think most of us would. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my personal sort of um, policy when it comes to homeless, and it took me a while to develop this because I used to just say no. I went through a period early in life where I just said no all the time, like, no, like, fuck off, like, get out of here. Yeah. Like, they were just pests. And then I thought a little bit more, and I was like, man, well, these people... Some that could be really be suffering, you know. They've had a really bad series of events, and they've unfortunately, you know, ended up here in life, and they don't have anything. And I'm just being a dick and tell them to fuck off. And so I'm like, well, that's not good. So then I just started like giving them like money, like one or two bucks, you know, every time somebody would approach me. But when I moved to Arizona, I live in the city, Tucson. All right. So the amount of times this happens to you directly correlates to where you live. So. I live in Norwalk. This has not happened to me. I haven't had a homeless person approach me once in the entire time I've lived in Norwalk, Ohio. But when I live in Tucson, Arizona, it happens to you every single day, sometimes multiple times a day. Um, so I got to this point where it's like, okay, well, some of these people are obviously, they're not really homeless. They're just going out there and looking dirty to try to get drug money. That's a thing that happens yeah. as well. I mean, there's a lot of people on drugs, especially in the Southwest in a border town. Um, Couldn't tell you why. So what I started doing, I was like, I will start offering to buy these people like a food or a drink. Like, like, so like, you got any money? Well, like, oh, I don't have any cash on me, but if you want, I'll go to that gas station right there. I'll take my credit card and I'll buy you a hot dog and a soda if you want. Or, you know, I was, I would always, always offer like, at least, you know, I won't leave people hungry, you know, like, so at the very least I could do is just yeah. give them something to eat, give them something to drink. That way they're not dying out there in the Southwestern heat and then they have a full belly and then they can worry about their next problem next. And it amazed me once I started doing that, how many people that asked for money just denied accepting any food or drink whatsoever. Like, I don't have any money, but I can give you food or drink. Oh no, man! I just, I just really need. They always have an excuse, like yeah. actually, my my truck's just right around the corner, and I just needed five bucks for gas because we're going to my grandma's house. Like, but their truck's never in sight because it doesn't exist, you know? <laughs> right. Um. But it's just, it shocked me. I, I had a few times, you know, a handful of times, people accepted food, or drink, or both. Mm-hmm. But uh, it shocked me how many people were like, "Oh no, no! I just wanted money." I don't want your food. Yeah. Beggars can't be choosers, literally. <laughs> yeah. That's a good policy, though. I mean, you're feeding them, and you're not giving them drug money, so it's kind of a... I I know what Aaron Collins would say, but uh, but I don't know how to make it work practically. I just know what he would say very loudly and quickly. <laughs> no, I just offer him well, a he, job. They want to eat. They should he's, work. <laughs> he's he's not here in this podcast, so his opinions can uh, yeah, be saved for another time. I do like that idea, though. I just can't figure out in my head how to make it work. It would be cool to, instead of just giving somebody something for free, if we had the ability to say, you know, I I don't have any food or money for you, but my lawn needs mowed. And then somehow get them to your house and give them a lawnmower. And then after they mow, then you feed them or something like that. That way it's your rewarding that work. Can be, 
That can be somewhat safe if you live by yourself and you don't have a wife and kids to worry <laughs> yeah. about. Yeah. And then I'm, still, then they know where you live, and then they start looking out and finding out what time you go to work, and yeah, and so before you know it, you're missing a bunch of shit out of your house, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So maybe we need something with our, I mean, of course, I hate to say it, but like, if the government had something where it's like, oh yeah, I can just take you to the courthouse, and there's a way that you can just walk in there with somebody and say, hey... This person's hungry. Do you have something that they could clean up? And like, oh yeah, and take the candy or a broom. Go sweep this thing, and then they get food. Like, so it's actually a lot of work. You know? A lot of states and cities actually have a lot of programs for homeless people that are looking to stop being homeless. So a lot of the bigger cities have shelters that you can go to, where they will feed you. They'll give you, you know, new socks. People mm-hmm. donate to them. They'll give you a cot to sleep on if you need somewhere to stay for the night. And if you need resources, if you're a drug addict, like they'll put you in contact with a social worker that can start helping you with your drug addiction. Um, If you need a job, they'll put you in contact with a social worker that can help you find employment and start making money. If you need housing, they'll hook you up with a social worker that'll help you do the paperwork to get government-assisted housing while you're looking for a job. and. You know, all that stuff. So there's a lot of programs that exist, but I don't think everybody necessarily tries that hard to take advantage of the programs. They've either, they're either for in, in it for something else like drugs, or they've just gotten so complacent with the way that they live their lives. Even though it's like you and me, people with houses and families, like we couldn't imagine living like that, like out there in the elements, sleeping outside in the cold, in the heat, like we couldn't possibly imagine it like that. But for people who have done this for years, they kind of, you know, just acclimate to it after a while. And it's just, and it's just life. They feel, they feel about it just like we have our lives, you know. Well, maybe we they don't have a job to go to, so they can just wander around. Business cards for those places then, or something. So like, uh, I don't have any money, but here's a card. If you call these people, they'll hook you up, place to stay, food, help you get a job, like sort of empower them yeah. rather than just like give them something temporary, teach a man to fish, that whole thing. Most big cities have them. Some of them are religious, uh, tied to uh, affiliated with religion, of course. So. You know, some people don't want to do it because, you know, it's a Christian program and they don't want to be, you know, they don't want to have Jesus rammed down their throat and but, stuff like that. But, but again, but, back to beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you want this food, you're going to get some Jesus too, boy. <laughs> but, I, but I know to, I know Toledo Jesus. has pro. <laughs> yep. I know Toledo has programs for it because Cherry Street Mission is one of those programs. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's their primary function is to serve homeless people, people with drug addictions, things like that. So... Um, Let's uh, let's go back to the social credit thing and talk about that a little bit. Talk about let's talk about what's scary because I feel like I can think of some ways where it would be good. I think that's the thing. That's that's why maybe it got done in China is because it's pretty easy to, to point out ways that that could be good. I mean, it, it makes sense, right? For because, all of us, we'd be in great shape. Well, right, but that's what the vast majority of people probably think. Probably <laughs> the same thing in China, right? I mean, it, most people have way way high inflated views of themselves. Right, and yeah. I'm sure I do too, to some degree, and I'm sure we all do. But uh, you know, that that's how you get shit like that passed. Is say like, we would all benefit. You are a great person. You would, you would never have issues with this, right? But then, like, actually step back and look, and like, number one, who's judging this? You know, do we have objective criteria to judge you on whether you're doing something bad or good? Right? Yeah. Well, I think there would be. You know, it'd be like, here's here's the system we present to you. If you pay your bills on time, you get this many points. If you stab somebody, right. you lose this many points, and it's objective. It, and if they change it, it has to go through some sort of legislature. But like, think about like, you know, we have a friend who made a stupid mistake when he was 16, wrecked a car, and got charged with this felony. He's got like an assault charge from when he was 16, all because he was just being reckless like teenagers mm-hmm. do. And now his entire life, there's no way out. Like, doesn't matter that from that point to now. He hasn't stabbed anybody. He hasn't done anything crazy. He's been he's model been, yeah, he's been paying his bills. He bought a house. He bought cars. Like he's doing a great job now. But he still is stuck with that one label. And it almost seems like a social credit system would allow him to, uh, you know, accrue those points back. Yeah, and I, the way I see it though is that it should be something that I don't know. I feel like if if you if if we tried to apply it to just people who needed to get out of that situation, right? Like it was only something necessary if you needed help more or less right mm-hmm. like that like this person uh i could see the merit to that but at the same time then like you know all the the rich people that don't need anything get to just act like dicks run around do whatever they want 
but then you know if you tie something like paying your bills on time into it all you're doing is punishing the you know poor people and people who have issues with with income right and there's people that can't change that true so I, I I definitely agree with you. I think there's a lot of good points to it, but man, there. Who do you trust to look at everything you do every day, and say that was good, that was bad, and well, how how deep do you let them into your life to look at this stuff? And how they're gonna track it? And you have a camera around because I do some dumb shit when nobody's looking, and I'll lose some credits. Yeah, that's for damn sure. CCTV maybe. <laughs> right, right. And I mean, that's that's really and that's that's how China does it. They have CC, they have the most CCTVs out of any country in the world by far. They're literally watching you every every move, like. Mm-hmm. But when I mean, you're outside your own house. There's definitely some things that you could, you know, that could be very objective and just a couple things easily tracked that matter. But it's it's the same thing with anything else in America is once you do it, you set a precedent. I kind of feel like, I mean, you, in a way, we already have a government that tells us and punishes us for doing wrong things, you know, things like make, making getting a stupid loan for a car and then defaulting on that and getting stuff repoed and all that stuff. Like, we do have punishments for it, but it's not any kind of punishment that I don't think people learn. I think that people default on a loan, and then they continue to repeat and repeat and repeat. Whereas if you had some sort of system where, like, there's actually a reward, you know, there's motivators, or even me as a teacher, like, how many parents would actually make their kids do their homework if their kids' grades reflected on their social credit score. Or maybe the kids, right. you know, the kids graduate high school, and if they, I don't know, what, whatever it could be, turn in all their assignments or get their credits or whatever, then they can start off with plus 10 points or something like that. Yeah. No, I follow what you're saying there. It's just uh, you, you see how things get twisted and perverted with just between two political parties, more or less, at the government mm-hmm. level. And the minute you put that tool out there, you know, I mean, like, we're going to build the wall of social credit somewhere at some point of, you know, how many yeah. how many points does that immigrant get? Does he get all 1,000 when he becomes a citizen? Does he get any before? Oh, yeah. Does he start at, like, 250 because all he's an immigrant that just came All of a sudden, we're at, like, the three-eighths compromise right. or some crazy Right, I mean, that's, and that's exactly what I'm, that's what I, that's what I'm projecting here when you say <laughs> what scares you about this. That kind of bullshit scares me about this, right? It's, and then uh, you and then it almost necessitates an upper like an upper echelon class that would be responsible for controlling the system. Like you're going to need tech people to actually program and control and monitor the system. You're going to need managers to oversee that the system is carried out correctly. And it's like, who's watching the watchman, right. you know? Everybody's I mean, what, what couldn't blockchain solve yeah. that? It possibly could. That could, could be one possible solution for that. But yeah, I agree. I mean, <laughs> something like that would never fly in America. Oh God! I mean, the we're asking Americans to put a mask on, and they're like, "Get my shotgun, Karen!" Like, Aaron, <laughs> they don't want to wear a mask. I kind of, <laughs> I, I kind of like what Aaron said though, because like, I feel like a lot of Americans are so full of themselves. If you just told them like, "Oh man, you're such a good person. You're gonna do great on this system," I feel like a lot of people would be like, "That's right. I'm awesome. Yeah, I can do like. Yeah, I'm gonna get so I'm gonna get so many points." And I feel like you can yeah. mix pretty well to both sides of the political spectrum it's, by just saying, you know, <laughs> you know what? Like, you don't get points because you're not an American. You just got the Republican vote, and then you just turn that thing right around and say, "But this is the way that we, you know, help with welfare, basically at the same time," and then you got more or less democratic vote and then it just goes through and everybody gets screwed it's it's dwight's doomsday device exactly what it is <laughs> you'll be fine you'll be fine no problem yeah. great yeah <laughs> now that 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 would be what i'd foresee happening and i think it would happen pretty daggum quickly and you know i feel like it might work in a totalitarian regime i don't know sometimes sometimes i think about that i would be well off i pay all my bills i i have a master's degree i have a lot of privilege so i guess i'm just lucky so that's why i'm thinking about it that way but what you mean when you say you have a lot of privilege well i have white privilege and we could talk about that a lot but i mean born into a family parents didn't get divorced they encouraged us well, to go to college they helped us get loans they so gave us the, cars the white know. privilege is what what you what piqued my interest when you said privilege and i, w- I want you to define what you think white privilege is because i want to make sure that we're on the same page because i want to yell at you if we're not yes oh let's let's talk about it so uh my understanding of white privilege is a it's a systemic thing that we have all three of us because we are caucasians and it is based on our system is created in a way 
over the hundreds of years, basically, where just being white, we have privileges that people of color do not have. So the most basic example of this is redlining, which is where in the 1950s, they, uh, um, was that thunder? Yeah. Yeah, thunder. Okay, thunderstorm. So basically in the 1950s, I, I can't explain it super well, but I learned about it recently. They basically would cut like a town in half. And they would say, all right, everybody on the west side of this line is not worthy of loans. And everybody on the right side of this line is worthy of loans. And what ended up happening was people of color were stuck with those. And it was kind of this system-wide thing. So just by me being white, I've had a lot more privileges. I mean, compared to people of color, um, I'm much more likely to have my parents not be divorced. I'm much more likely to have my parents not be in jail. I'm much more likely to not have been arrested and you know, choked the life out of my neck. <laughs> right. But that's not, that's not a function of you yourself just being white. That's, that's a function of how things have, have progressed for whites in general, comparatively to blacks. Now that, and there's something to say about why that happened, that progression mm-hmm. happened. But, but my definition of, of the white privilege, so I would basically the majority of people that would say that I, that I would have white privilege and maybe they would agree with this, but I would, I would deny them and say, I don't, but what I would compromise on is say that I've never been impeded or had a challenge specifically because of my race. Mm-hmm. And so for that reason, yeah, I would agree that there is some white privilege there, right? There, the privilege of being white is that I've never had a struggle based solely on the fact that I wasn't white. And I, I think that's, that's a clear example of white privilege, but, mm-hmm. but I've not taken it much farther than that. And I don't, and I think that's a large reason of why you see a lot of, I keep calling them rednecks, but I, I kind of self-identify with them. But 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 a lot of people who would say like you know, I worked my ass off since I was two years old, and I got where I am because of me, not nobody else. I ain't got no white privilege, kind of thing. You know, like mm-hmm. how do you tell that person he's wrong? You know, well, because you could find ten black people that did the exact same thing, and work their ass off, and they're nowhere near where that person is. And it's purely because of a system, you know, that you could find, you could find 10 black people that worked, gave 150% and then were denied that home loan because of their race or has some sort of misdemeanor on their account because they got pulled over by a cop because of a speed lighter or a a tail light or whatever, you know, all the crap that accumulates. But again, to me, that's just, that's just something that happened as a, as a product of their skin color. And and Mm -hmm. it's something that I, 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 or that other person didn't experience because of their lack of skin color or because they you know, were white. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't see that as, you know, there's some special privilege that goes along with it. I think it's more a thing of, we just don't have some of the same blockades. And, and I, I, I believe that's oversimplifying the issue in general there. But at the same time, it's the same thing in my mind as it's too general of a mantra to base an entire movement on in my mind, because you, you just naturally alienate so much of the population. And it's the same thing. I, what I'm comparing it to in my mind right now is the, the defund the police movement. Mm-hmm. Because from what I understand, a large portion of that movement is not, you know, strip all funding from the entire police force. It's generally like move your money where it should go as a police. I mean, you've got funding and maybe right. you have a little bit too much, but, and, and we can look at that, but put the funding where it needs to be on training on you know social work on mental health on all that crap mm-hmm. to help solve these issues but when your rallying cry becomes defund the police congratulations you just literally blocked off half the nation from ever agreeing you with you like it's never going to happen oh yeah you'll never get anybody behind that and, and I, th- I think like those you kinds said, of overgeneralized statements yeah. are just like it, it, it is uh, you know moves against what you're trying to do and i think like you said that's that's not the majority of what they want. It's right. just like all the peaceful protests, there could be a hundred of them, but we're only going to see the one or two riots that happen. That's the only thing. That, so we only see the bad stuff. Yeah. But along the same lines, you know, everything I'm saying kind of sounds negative against Black Lives Matter, but I saw a statement the other day that I very, very much agreed with. Somebody, uh, somebody tweeted and said basically that, you know, like all these people upset about the violence. Uh, within Black Lives Matter and all the riots and all this shit, and they said, "Well, how do you think that things like slavery got changed? You think they just sat around singing kumbaya on the fields until the exactly. slave masters got happy with them? No, like John Brown. It, it requires violence sometimes to get shit changed. And I, I again, like you can't. It's hard for you to like condone like 
breaking in some shopkeeper store, mm-hmm. maybe you could be a little more like diligent about where you're attacking. But like at the same time, yeah, this is just an expression of anger. Like I, I what what would you do? You know, if your like brother got shot or fuck if uh-huh. I got shot by police and it was clearly not like not necessary, right? Like and it'd been happening for forty I'd, years. I'd go break some shit. Yeah, I sure as shit would go break some shit, especially if I had business owners saying like, "Get the hell out of the street, quit protesting," or like white power kind of fuck you, your business is going down too. Yep. I don't know. I can the, I can get behind that idea. The so the privilege thing though, I feel like that's kind of I I thought of this analogy earlier <laughs> when you were talking. So like imagine you and I are sprinting, um, and we're doing a hundred meter sprint, but every ten meters someone's gonna come up and hit you in the knee with a hammer. You would probably say that I have some privilege there, like just just by the fact that I have an advantage. I don't have right. anything impeded. So it is what you said. It you said that they're impeded by their skin color, and that by definition means that people who have the right skin color have privilege. We have perks, or just the uh, maybe not perks. Maybe it's maybe what you're saying is just we don't have obstacles. Yeah, right. There you go. Yeah, that's fair. I think that's fair to say. I, I guess I'm I'm still lumping it in again with with it needs to be said better and yeah. and and until it's clarified and, and at this point I think it's probably too late anyway because people are gonna latch onto it but if I feel like if it had been said better then and quite honestly I think part of it is is delineating it with with a race or color you know because you just naturally separate mm-hmm. whites and blacks again and. I think it's difficult to identify the, the you know the white privilege without saying white you know but at the same time you got to find a way to be democratic about it and I see what you're not saying. accusatory towards because again like it, there are people who have sure never had a problem because specifically because of their race but mm-hmm. they also you know there's black people that haven't had that same experience. Right, I mean, so there, there, there's a little bit on both sides. I don't want to try and minimize it there, but yeah, you're gonna alienate a lot of people by overgeneralizing issues like. That. I know. What you're, so, the problem is, I see what you're saying. It's not necessarily like. The problem is that most, <laughs> not maybe just a lot, a lot of white people when they hear white privilege, instead of them actually looking internally and going. Hmm, could that be true? Maybe there is a system in place where I benefit just because of this. Instead, they go, they hear white privilege and they think, oh, they're blaming all the whites for this problem. I, you know, it's, they take it as an attack rather than actually examining it. Because for me, and I used to take it that way too, but for me, where I'm at now, it's kind of like, yeah, I accept that we have a shitty system. Like, it's just the way it's set up. It's a system-wide thing. And I naturally benefit from that. And I'm lucky. And I'm, I guess I'm grateful. I'm happy that my life is good, but man, that sucks that I have that privilege and other people. And so for me, when I hear white privilege, it doesn't offend me and I can still support the movement. But I think what you're saying is a lot of people are just turned off by that phrase, white privilege. Yeah. Bam. And so, but, but where I go with that though, is that I think it's fair to say that, that everything I've gained in my life, where I am, I've I would I, I I roll my eyes. I'm trying to think here. Like I think I, I've worked to get it right. Mm-hmm. Nothing's been handed to me at this point, short of the fact that you know I was raised well, which we can we can do the number comparison there between blacks and whites and and how you know having a married you know a family basically produces whatever. But beyond that, you know, nothing's been handed to me. So I've I've not had obstacles and I've gotten where I am, but. If if you expect me to want to support you and your push for equality, it's difficult to get people on board by screaming white privilege when, sure, I've not experienced roadblocks because of it, but I also haven't been handed anything. I've worked for everything I had. Now, granted, I haven't had you know roadblocks, but at the same time, you're you're pushing for my support here, and 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 it sounds bad, and but but if you want me to care, quit trivializing the work that I've done to get where I am by just saying, well, you didn't have any roadblocks. You know what I mean? Like, yes, yeah. he did work hard as well as a black person and he got screwed because of roadblocks, but that doesn't minimize your issues. Doesn't minimize the hard work that I did to get where I am. That's true. But you also, I mean, I could come up with five things right now where you did have an advantage. You were given something that they wouldn't have. So for mm-hmm. example, um, our parents pushed us to get good grades in school and to value education. Right. Um, that is likely due to our skin color and to do due to our system and where we're at. 
if our skin color was if we were African American, then where we live might be different, and our value our our value on education might be different. I mean, that's something right there. So without the value for education, you don't take school seriously. If you don't take school seriously, then you don't mm-hmm. get good grades. You don't go to college. You don't become an engineer. You know, the whole all of that is just based on the fact that we're in a system. You know, white. You just that's just what you do. I don't know. We're yeah. middle class. Well, yeah, and I agree with that. I I hundred percent understand what you're saying. But those are all you know. Realistically, they're all uncontrollables for me. It's not something that I, right. you know, I didn't push that time and that just is what occurred yep and ever since that everything else has been me and because it's all system they're not bla- they're not yeah no 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 yeah i 100 percent agree with you and again like i'm not trying to trivialize or say that the issues they're saying happen aren't happening but it, it doesn't mean that other people haven't worked to get where they are and and i'm still like you said i'm still in the process i guess to a degree of of coming to terms with with how i feel and what i feel right because mm-hmm. I recognize that that what I'm saying kind of it, it does kind of minimize w- what they're having issues with, and so that alone makes me think like, okay, well maybe there's something wrong with what I'm saying, and and it, I'm not afraid to change my viewpoint based on learning something. So I'm just trying to learn things. But that's man, that's what, just, that's what this is all about, right? <laughs> but that's the thing, and that's that's why I, I especially me in, in a public position, and even you as a teacher, like mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm hesitant to voice opinions that are uh, controversial. But I, I can't not, right? I mean, I, it's it's what I'm thinking. Yeah, and, it's just and what I might feel right wrong. now. I very well you... might be wrong. Yep. But I'm not going to learn if I sit here and just harbor those thoughts and they went, okay, he thinks that. I'm just not going to say anything. You know? No. no what we, we could do is we it. could disagree and then start screaming at each other and then you could storm out of here and slam the door on your way out. Most definitely. <laughs> I have seen it, right? <laughs> I tell you what, though, I'm prepared. You know what you could do? You could call me a mansplainer and then don't talk to me for. Like a whole year, yeah. Boom. Sorry, cutting. If that's there. what it takes, <laughs> I'm cutting too deep, my friend. You'll get in trouble. I tell you what, though, I uh, I'm pretty stoked for this election this year. Fairly confident Trump's not gonna leave the office when he loses, and uh, I already got my body <laughs> armor and guns. So yeah, I'm ready to go. I'm not even, not even joking. There, looking to buy a gas mask soon. We'll see. <laughs> Vince, are you prepared for the ter- the election turmoil that's coming? He's frozen. He's deep in thought. So I was watching Joe Rogan's podcast earlier today, and uh, he was talking with a comedian about about this specific issue and how uh, when we had the election issue the first time, right, mm-hmm. when, when Trump went against Hillary or whatever, and there was that period of time where, like, we didn't really know who it was. It was a decent period. I think it was, like, like a couple of days where we more or less didn't have a president, I thought. I think it was, I think it was pretty set because I stayed up, I stayed up and watched the results yeah. come in. It was pretty, sh- pretty. Maybe short. I'm misunderstanding what they're saying, but they, they basically were saying that in that in that interim period where we weren't really 100 percent sure, it was just kind of like making jokes about how are we don't really need a president. We're doing fine without one. What mm-hmm. do we want for kind of thing? But now, in, in at the end of this election, right, people are going to need, and I'm parroting Joe Rogan's podcast right now, but people are going to need results immediately because people are losing yeah. their shit about how this stuff is going on. And that I think is going to be a big deal, and I, I kind of, a brief, very very small part of me wants Trump to win just to see the incredible amount of disappointment on Democratic faces, because it's going to be good, but I, it that's not quite worth it. Not too far off, but it's not quite worth it. I don't know. Yeah, it'll be interesting. That's for dang, I'm sure. <laughs> the upside though is that you know, I'll be fine either way. So um, it's going to suck certain ways, but the way I've looked at it is it takes a lot for me. I I always want to vote Republican because I love my guns, but there's, you know, honestly, the Bernie Sanders ticket, I'd have been with him hundred percent of the way I'd have voted for him. Wouldn't care. I would, I would have sacrificed my, my gun rights. What I, what I believe are my gun rights, uh, for some of the things that he was trying to usher in, but it's, it's actually difficult for me. Not difficult. It's a little difficult for me to look at Biden and be like, "Yeah, okay, I'm down for that for sure." It's not. It's yeah. not easy. It's. <laughs> but the problem is, is like after watching Trump enrich himself and his friends for the last four years, I'm just going, "All right, cool." I mean, let's just do something else. No, <laughs> no, no president has managed to be effective recently, and a lot of it's just based on you know power struggles in House and Senate, but which I think Democrats might have this time around. But 
But it does, it does seem like every president since Bush has been getting more and more power with those executive orders. Right. So they might become more and more effective as they slowly edge their way into becoming a dictator. You know, like yeah. declare wars without permission, give out money without permission, new taxes, yeah, and then take new taxes, new health care. Boom. Yeah, it's going to be really, really interesting. But I'm kind of stoked because I've been telling my wife we're working on paying off debt, and, and I'm like, you know what, we're going to – we'll be good because as long as they keep deferring payments and interest on student loans, we're sitting pretty. And then if that lasts until the Democratic president gets in and tries to start forgiving stuff, then we, <laughs> we might not pay another student loan payment. You never <laughs> That's know. That's a good point. All right, when that, uh, that interest starts back up here in in the next month, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll start paying it. But we, we were pretty close to refinancing loans outside of the government with private to yeah. save on interest rates. And uh, – I was like, you know what? I'll pay that extra interest for you know six months just to see, just to see maybe they'll forgive some of it. You know, I think everybody's kind of because I've heard this from lots of different people. Like, well, we tried Trump. Uh, I guess we could try Grandpa Bernie. Like, I mean, I yeah. know he's not in the race anymore, but it, it just everyone's just kind of exasperated as, at this point. Like, Obama was maybe our last like dignified president who knew his stuff. Oh I mean, my who, God. who knows what what yeah. Biden will do? But like. Everyone's like, well, let's try the wild card. Go ahead and go ahead and play the Joker, Trump. And and then Trump did all this stuff, and he really did mix it up and do all this big stuff. But it, it's really not that much different. There's still just you know crony stuff. Yeah. So who cares anymore? Yeah, g- give him a shot. We never we haven't tried the old guy yet. Give him a shot. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's definitely going to be interesting. But either way, I, I'm fully confident. This is one thing Dave Ramsey says that I really appreciate is that you know, it's not what's in the white house that affects you it's what happens in your house it doesn't it does not matter Ooh, shit yeah. who's in the freaking white house i mean like okay the, the fact that he okayed stimulus payments after the senate put it together like sure that's nice but the vast majority of what happens up there does not affect us much at all yeah so it's kind of it, it's i'm i'm over it and it's kind of sad but and that one time stimulus check that allowed you to buy some fancy toy and that's over now you still have right. the rest of the year to live you yep. still have to pay your bills all that stuff so it really mm-hmm. it is not to mention, we should all be caring about local government a lot more than we do. I mean, that's real. what actually impacts us, and our vote means way more. Thank you for saying that. I work in local government, my friend. <laughs> it's, it is so much fun to see so many people bitch about so many things and then not pay a single dime to the city to try and get anything done. <laughs> I work in one of the probably one of the more affluent towns or cities in, in, uh, in Ohio, and like the average household... And the average household income is actually, I mean, pretty low, but I mean, it's for being affluent anyway, but it's at least 200 for an average income household, right? It's a lot. I mean, there's, there's many, many three quarter million dollar houses in there and quite a few million. I mean, it's, it's, it's an upscale community with a three quarters percent income tax, which funds everything the city does more or less, almost all of it. Wow. Which is nothing. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal how much money we don't have and uh, all (laughs) all these rich people are like. I want more classes at the recreation program for my kids to do shit. I'm like, pay us more money. No. <laughs> All right. Thank Make you. it appear out of nowhere. Yeah. No, that, that's kind of funny. You're, you're right about local government, though. It, it has much more influence over your life than you think it does. That was the first thing I learned. I took a government class in college. And he was, no, it was actually called state and local government, I think. And that was the first thing I learned. He was like, local government impacts you the most that's mm-hmm. what you should everyone's freaking out about who the president is but what he does and decides and how he acts and says like that doesn't impact us at all but our local city councilman who just decided to whatever they're going to do that actually is in your backyard or the taxes that go all that kind of stuff like that matters yeah yeah i mean <laughs> yeah i don't know it's it's fun to see the inner workings of local municipalities but it's all it's all more or less the same but they do have a lot more influence there well, we talked about some random stuff. <laughs> we kind of bounced around everywhere. Fine, we kept we lost Vince a couple of times. We had to, yeah. Out. There's a thunderstorm happening right now outside. Like loud thunder cracks. Our internet cut out. So um, it's been a little shaky, but that's all right. Talked about some scary AI social contract. Yeah, mm. growing. All right. Well, that's all we got today. We're running on about an hour now, so we'll wrap it up.